right on and welcome to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. radio program by Fantastic Geek. We're the far out voice of the Marvel movie and TV community. My name is Matt and do me a solid by welcoming the guy who always boogies on a Saturday night. It's Pete. Can you dig it? I didn't bring you here to speak. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 706, Adapt or Die, is brought to you by Rocket Pops. When your pops is a robot and you're raising hell with your cousins. Pete, welcome to July 2020, the last month to have nonstop Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes from beginning to end ever. Why must you remind us of this? Well... Maybe because time is a construct and it might feel this way now, but who knows, Pete, when there's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. 2030, the uh, revival series in about 10 years on Disney Plus Hologram, uh, which of course will feed a hologram directly into the retinas of your eyeballs using uh, cutting edge technology, then we're going to laugh and say, ha ha ha, we thought it was over, but it wasn't. When we catch you up on what went down, Sybil, the predictor, monitors the pulsing patterns of the time streams as Chronicom Dole feels the weight of Malik's death and the insight's destruction. But she reminds him that as one branch dies, a new one bears fruit. He says her path has led to disaster, but S.H.I.E.L.D. has revealed its ship location. Nathaniel Malik has captured Daisy and Sousa, and Mac's parents are prisoners in the lighthouse. I feel so glad that Sybil and Dole kind of recapped where things ended last week, because Pete, it's been a busy week in the last week, and uh, thank goodness they, they took a little time to recap here at the top of the episode. With that, uh, Dole is sent back, question mark. This is, of course, a communication interface that we're about to learn more about. We see him... Uh, in what we would learn uh, is the uh, the Chronicom ship beneath the bottom basement floor of the lighthouse. He kind of unplugs from his communication matrix. So basic way in which that works now established. TikTok for later. Uh, he's going to start to fire up those hunters. Many, many hunters. Pete, we get the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. neon title card. Wither the interesting title cards? Yeah. Uh, a, a redo at best uh you know really kind of disappointing with all the title card greatness we've had thus far after the title card 1970s shield agents confirm the destruction of the insight rocket as general stoner holds a stake to his black eye colson and may are brought before him as saboteurs they ruined his celebratory barbecue the hostile bogey has been located thanks to help from Malik. Yes, Colson and May, they brought explosives on the 4th of July. Ah, Pete, those That's shield today, words. Matt. It is. Wow. It's all, hashtag it's really, really all connected. Um, how is it that the lighthouse is tracking Zephyr 1, which is that fact was presented to us at the end of last episode? And I'll be honest, Pete, I had not questioned those facts uh it is told to us by general stoner that malik has given uh shield the advanced tracking technology so hey that makes sense hey that ups the stakes to zephyr one we go with an update malik is dead and deke did it we of course knew that but now everybody's on the same page mac is not happy that wasn't the order 
Uh, Simmons, meanwhile, can't get a read on Daisy and Sousa. So again, a little kind of recap going on here. Time to go down to the lighthouse. But Deke is going to be on the sidelines for this one. Pete, that's because he's a naughty boy. Or at least according to uh, to, to, D, to to Mac, I, I'm kind of okay, him shooting Malik. Um, but that's, uh, it's Mac and Yo-Yo that are going to be headed down there. Simmons uh, is going to keep scanning as the team is going to bring the pain to the bad guys. Yes, Yo-Yo believing, of course, the lighthouse gambit is a trap, but one they have to suffer nonetheless. Uh, they leave for the lighthouse in the Quinjet, and he recalls his parents through a bicentennial picnic at the lake. And this is not how he imagined Yo-Yo would meet his parents. Yes, the beginning of the time to meet my parents Yo-Yo storyline, which is a storyline in this episode. I would argue maybe not fully A-plus successful, but is an important B plot here uh in the lighthouse it's lockdown protocol pete if you can imagine such a thing uh however stoner didn't call for it colson notes that what's going on here is a divide and conquer situation uh shield being literally divided by the lockdown by the, the locked doors indeed the missiles are arming themselves shield is not in control of their computers and missiles and such cut to zephyr one incoming Enoch yelling, incoming, prepare yourself for extreme G's. Pete, this as we get our first act break. Yes, the countermeasures deploying two of the missiles uh, neutralized, but the third hitting the top of Zephyr 1. Act 2 begins with a sluggish daisy awakening. Sousa watching over her. They both have been drugged. She attempts to quake her chains off but can't before nathaniel enters just at the right time a little bit of monologuing and having fun with the monologuing villain here but he and ron over there they're not hydra they don't worship a space octopus inhumans are his thing he's creepy he's rich they're not hostages and he's had some helpful tips from dr reinhardt you know, discovery requires experimentation. Dr. Reinhardt, you mean Daniel Whitehall. I remember that name, Matt. Ooh, I do too. It's hashtag really connected. Nathaniel in this scene, and I would argue for his whole portion of the episode, is a really, really great presence. Uh, more on him in the theories segment. I, I don't know how much discussion there'll be, but I saw some discussion online and we will we'll take it from there, Pete. But for now... I just want to point out some of these great lines that uh, indeed they're not hostages because they aren't collateral to be traded. He wants what's in their veins. Uh, just some really great kind of villainous vamping here, particularly in an episode where if you kind of go through the baddie checklist, as we will do later, most of the baddies are kind of emotionless, you know, Terminator, Chromicon types. So here Nathaniel really kind of, you know, hamming things up a little bit in the best sense. Um, to the lighthouse we go, Coulson notes that the plane has been shot down. Stoner isn't that worried, so, oh man, Pete, I guess we just killed Simmons and Enoch off screen, and now there's no time ship, and I'm just really bummed here. Coulson gives another kind of quick recap. Pete, I'm realizing there's a lot of recap going on in this episode uh, about the Chronicoms. They don't act quite like us. 
on cue, a woman enters and gets Stoner to leave. I thought she was going to stay, but she leaves too. However, May tells us that the woman herself was a chronicom because May feels nothing from her. I thought it was a little over the top that Agent King here put her arms on both Coulson and May. Obviously, the chronicoms are unaware in this time stream that May can read emotions empathically. And again, story football and all moving it forward. But it was a little over the top. Um, of course, she needs to get Stoner out of the room. So Agent Ford has requested him in the basement. We can see this one coming a mile away. And really the whole point of the story uh, that we would be able to do that. He also knows that Malik was Hydra and is now dead. To Zephyr One we go, Pete, look, I'm sympathetic to the fact that TV production can be very, very difficult, can be expensive. This is a show that probably, not even probably, that certainly has a budget reduced from the first season and it's probably been reduced several times, etc., etc. Though parts of Zephyr One were on fire, when we jump into the scene here, the fire is out. Pete, that makes it so much easier to film. You probably don't need your... <laughs> fire wrangler or your fire marshal just have smoke in your budget and not exactly fire. you you go you know you go okay smoke guy on two you press smoke and we start filming on one three two smoke one film I love action that abc continues to give smoke guy work after you know 10 years after lost has ended look it's a community of people that can make these shows possible. If there wasn't Smoke Guy who honed his skills on Lost, then moved over to do Smoke on Marvel, you know, then the smoke wouldn't be as good. The smoke is good here. Nobody does it alone. That's so true. Um, <laughs> Pete, we've made light of a, a third of a second of footage here, but there's a more pressing issue. The cables that were on fire, they're the cables that make the ship jump, and now the cables are broken. Result... Only part of the ship would jump. The rest would be pulverized. Uh, so certainly a dire situation here. Simmons bubbling over emotionally. Pete, I'm not saying that as some kind of gender uh, stereotype or gender determination here. We can see that because of whatever's going on in the back of her head, more to be revealed soon, that she's spilling over at that point. She can't remember how to fix it. Enoch notes that everything will be all right. But Pete, take us back to the lighthouse. Agent Rodriguez and Agent Mac Lamore rescue his parents, John and Lilla, from their cell. They were food shopping when a man abducted them in the parking lot. Meanwhile, Agent King tells Stoner, uh, who sees his face being used all over the base, that they'll remove his face ASAP, much better and cuter writing here uh colson meanwhile tells may he doesn't appreciate her lack of attitude uh he dies but he always comes back she thinks uh and he posits as well that the chronicoms have uh picked up emotions from him that they are now mimicking him so he breaks out of his cuffs ford needs stoner's override authority to take back the mainframe control as we end the act 
act break over, Mac and company are making their way through the bowels of the lighthouse. Uh, but Dad doesn't want to make his way through the door, oddly. I guess in retrospect, it's less odd since there's a game afoot that uh, Pete, I will speak for myself, I did not peg Ma and Pa as, uh, as, as baddie robots at this point in the story. Uh, indeed, my takeaway was kind of, hey, parents, they just don't understand Shades of Runaways. Uh, Mac, however, can get through the door, you know, just like a caliber does something something on a car. Uh, all that needs to be done is to cut the hydraulics line. So little opportunity for Mac and Pa to bond here. Elsewhere, Stoner is being copied, but Main Colson are there to fight King and Ford. They do really well. They do so quickly. Uh, Colson pulls the plug on the copy. Stoner wakes up, believing them now. Uh, further believing them, look, there's a pile of bodies over there. Three to my eyes. How are they going to proceed? May's going to go save Stoner while Colson's going to go below the lighthouse to get those hunters. Yes, using the ladder there conspicuously placed. Nathaniel Malik has taken as much blood, spinal fluid, and a couple of glands that Daisy can donate uh, so he can synthesize and transfuse it into himself. If that doesn't work, he says that they will switch from needles to knives. Um, Daisy tells Susa here, surrogate for the audience, that this has happened before with Yang, even though she doesn't contextualize that for him, her mother. Uh, Susa tells her a story about his leg injury with old Mike Stevens sacrificing his behind to keep him alive by telling him they were going to go home. He woke up without Stevens. Um, she still has plenty of fight, though, and a piece of jagged glass left in her, after all. Exciting stuff there. Back to Zephyr 1. Enoch is doing a brain scan, and Simmons has uh, has information deep inside her noggin there. He's manipulating things. He's trying to solve the problem here. Deke, however, sneaks on in. He preps a crash cart. You know, most of the time you really get that charging sound here. It's silent because Pete, they're using future tech. Uh, he zaps Enoch down. Uh, Deke then wakes Simmons up. But what has he done? Oh no, crisis. Because of course, out of all these characters, I'll, I'll speak for myself again. I trust Enoch the most. And of course, we know Enoch was helping Simmons and so forth. Uh, cut to Coulson in the sub-basement. It's a hunter bay. That's when he plugs into Sybil's chat line uh, using the technology shown at the beginning of the episode. So we kind of understand how it works there. And he asks her if it's a bad time to end this act. Act four begins with Mac and the fam attacked. Indeed, they're going to get the door open. Uh, there's some cute names thrown back and forth. Dad gets a cut, merely a flesh wound. Uh, Dad gets a gun as well. Mac is going to go follow the sounds of trouble. Uh, a fight ensues. It's Mac v. Dole and another Chronicom. We cut away from it, you know, from action to the talky scene of Sybil and Coulson. They're in a virtual space. Coulson's body is still on the Hunter ship. So rules established. She's no predictor. She just sees the time streams, a single tree from the future, but there also are alternative trees. Uh, Colson is not a person, she reminds him. Uh, and it's also asked why is she answering so many questions? 
It's just what she does. Pete, take us back to Zephyr 1. Simmons reveals to Deke that Enoch was fixing her memory. She and Fitz found a place all the Chronicom moves could be observed from. He is still there. We're definitely going to talk about this later on. But he is completely exposed. So she designed a biological implant to suppress her memories. It's called Diana. She's adorable, and they are inseparable. Pete, it does seem, however, that Diana is on the fits. I mean, Fritz. Uh, back to what I'm calling the barn. This is the place where uh, where, where Daisy and Sousa are. Uh, the goon comes for Sousa. The goon will not be helping him. So Sousa slashes him with the glass shard. With that, our heroes are out of cuffs. All of a sudden, the barn is shaking. It's Nathaniel. His bones are cracking. His mouth is bleeding. Back to Sybil we go. Colson inquires about Daisy and Sousa. It's like he wants to watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. too. Nathaniel has a 22% chance of winning. Daisy, an 86% chance. Pete, with odds like that, I'm sure nothing can go wrong, 2016. Coulson and Sybil both want to protect the species. Humans are hampered by time. They fear death. Uh, Chronicons cannot die and thus can exist until the end of things. Uh, but Pete, there are three things that Colson says she is wrong about. Let me give you the first one. The first difference is sacrifice. Time is limited and sacrifice comes at a cost. Yes. This, as the door begins to open at the lighthouse, the second Matt is the heart and pain and blood and sweat and tears, which are actually five things. <laughs> um, this as, uh, Simmons fixes the uh, the ship and uh, what I'm calling uh, Dusa now, Matt. That's Daisy and Susa, you know. Uh, Pete, and, can, I, can I ask you a question? Do you yeah. ship Daisy and Susa? Are you a Dusa? I don't know if I ship Dusa. I have other ship names for them, and we will discuss this again in our theories segment the third thing matt which would actually be the uh seventh thing is what it's that colson hasn't feared death for a long time dying is his superpower colson ends the conversation with that the hunter pods start opening colson takes out that big bag of explosives pete i don't know if you remember the big bag of explosives from the beginning of the episode july 4th fireworks Yes. It's all connected. Uh, he pushes the button with him in there just as someone is coming down the uh, the ladder there. Boom! To end the act. R.I.P. Colson. Very interesting that it was referred to as a hive uh, as it was blowing up there. But Act 5 begins with a showdown between Mac and Dole. And just at its most intense moment, Stoner kills Dole and references made to John McKenzie's arm boo boo. That would be Chekhov's arm boo boo. Uh, everybody's headed to the Quinjet. Yay! Stoner's joining the team, but not Stoner. Oh, right. He's going to stay in the 70s. Um, however, he would like to buy May a beverage of her choice, possibly. She declines. 
with that, May is on the Quinjet sharing news with everyone. Coulson's gone. He was in that explosion. But he'll be back. He always returns. On Zephyr 1, Deke apologizes to Enoch. You are a valued member of our family. Awe. That is all of us. Uh, now, you must keep Simmons secret. And Deke, tell no one. So maybe we have a ticking clock there. I don't quite know. Uh, on the Quinjet, uh, Dad really's digging the jet's thrust, you know, because he's a he's a mechanically oriented guy. No, no pun intended, although I guess in retrospect, there's one to be had there. Mom is telling tales about her boys. Everything is hunky-dory. It's around this point that I started to get concerned that things were too hunky-dory for S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Dad thanks May. Hand on her shoulder. Red alert, Pete. We saw this happen once before. Now I'm really concerned. And, you know, full credit to Ming-Na Wen selling that scene. You see it come across her face. This is not a human being. And then the discussion begins with her and Mac. Okay, we know that dad has the boo-boo. Is mom also affected? Why are we turning, Matt? Yes, concerns now that mom and dad are both not who they say they are. We have a check, though. Let's check uh, his arm. Mac's going to look at that arm. Just show me your arm, sir. The moment is played out for tension, amazingly so. As I was watching it, I was saying, I want to feel like this is ridiculous because the music is going to tension with the violins and please, you know, please show me. No, no, no. More serious. More seriously. No, no, no. And it kind of just keeps going, but it's, it, it just works. It really, really just works. Finally, the scratch is shown, showing the robot nature underneath. Mom and dad seem to overwhelm our heroes. Ack. Uh, May gets in some good kicks. Still, Mac knocks Dad back. Uh, Yo-Yo breaks his neck. Uh, then, uh, a worse fate, perhaps, for Robo-Mom, uh, as Yo-Yo and Mac uh, fight her. May opens the bay. The fighting continues. Dad's body goes out. Mom pleads for mercy, but Mac throws Alfie! her out well. Yes. Don't do it, Alfie. Um, very effective, I thought, in, in terms of the heartbreak we then see Zephyr 1 with the Quinjet on top parked. Enoch is surveying the, uh, the time drive. Everything's good. We're counting down here until the next jump. Not home. Uh, really good transition up into the bay there where uh, Mac is being consoled by Yo-Yo. But you know what? There's some things that your girlfriend can't help you with. So you're going to walk away before you get on a motorcycle and really jeopardize the entire mission. Um, as uh, Daisy has been brought to the healing pod by Sousa with Simmons overseeing it. Yes, kind of passing references made to the fact that Sousa is staying. I mean... As a man out of time, I kind of would expect that, that he's better off, you know, fighting through time with S.H.I.E.L.D. agents than just all of a sudden being Joe 1976. Um, but uh, all of a sudden it's time to jump. Everything's revving up. There still is no Coulson return, but I think the, the episode has prepped us to be okay with that until the near future. They take that first jump to the, well, the first jump towards the end of the episode here. Mac, 
gone to end the act. Pete, take us to the tag scene. Max having a moment on his motorcycle there. Deke comes to see him. But there's a crackly message over the walkie from Simmons. What's going on? Pete, what's going on is they are jumping again right now. Get back. The jump is about to happen. Mac, let's go. However, they don't. Zephyr One leaves them there to end the episode. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. We will start with Sybil. Sybil gives this ethereal presence. I like that, unlike the more aggressive Hunter-style chronicoms, she, as the the predictor or the reader of the time streams or whatever it is, I like that she is kind of above the fight, unconcerned that Coulson is there. I mean, I know that they're basically emotionless, but there's just this... To whatever degree she is the big bad for at least this portion of the season... She she kind of acts it in, in the you know in in the the uber villain the James Bond you know cat stroking type villain she just doesn't exude evil though she just exudes her chronicom plan. It doesn't even seem like she's invested in it, which is an interesting way to play it. Kind of like all time streams lead in one particular direction. Um, the information she's able to provide Coulson with before he blows up the hive 22% that Nathaniel Malik will get Daisy's powers. Okay. Put a pin in that 86% that, uh, Daisy will survive. Okay. We, we feel, you know, uh, more encouraged there, but just this, detached way of of viewing time i guess if you could see it all it really is the most logical read on it we get also chronicom dole who has been a a really steady bad guy presence for many of these episodes perhaps his fate sealed here although i guess for a number of our baddies this week i i have questions as to whether their final fate in this episode is actually a final fate but I feel like he gets, in, in his scene with Sybil, he kind of gets a little bit more, he, the actor, gets a little bit more dramatic oomph to kind of give back to her, again, under this umbrella of a character that's supposed to be emotionless. Yeah, that and that he gets struck with a red laser instead of the blue stunny lasers that Malik has fired at uh, Daisy and Sousa tells us at least he might not be back. For Nate Malik, Nathaniel Malik, there really is a, a particular sizzle to him in this episode. He is the gleeful villain. You know, if if Sybil can't be the the evil cat stroking James Bond villain, then in a small way, Nathaniel Malik is. Uh, I really, really dug the presentation that the actor was giving. That kind of larger than life. I've already thought through everything, um, and of course, you know. He's powered up towards the end, and I, I have some theory discussion for him in a bit. And I said this last week, and I, I stand by this newer take on the on the Malik legacy. Further distancing ourselves in this episode from Hydra, from the idea of world domination. No, I'm going to make creepy overtures towards Daisy and lust after her powers as well. Yeah, definitely 
don't know. There's a complexity given to Malik here, even though he doesn't appear in a ton of scenes. Pete, Agent King, uh, I guess similarly could have been one note, but now we have the added knowledge that uh, Chronicoms 2.0 mimic emotions. Yeah, it's an interesting evolution here. I think it also lays potential story ground going forward. You know, we've not seen the last of Clark Gregg's Coulson. So what the evolution might foretell for what an LMD Chronicom could be is pretty interesting. Ford, Agent Ford, does not appear in much of the episode, but I do like the little, you know, whether it's an acting affect or suggested by the director in the script, whatever it might be, uh, when uh, when King and Stoner go see Chronic Com Ford, how there's just kind of this stretching of, oh, I just put on my face, I just put, I'm just getting ready for the for the big, uh, you know, the big fake out here. So again, no small parts, only small actors. And then the McKenzie uh, Chronicoms here, Matt. Uh, I have to imagine that Lilla is a reference. We've seen this a bunch the last two seasons, um, taking names of writers like with Kitson, Lilla being the first name of one of the two Zuckerman sister writers who wrote the episode a couple back. Hey, you know what? Leave your mark, leave your name on these characters. Certainly the heartbreaking turn here for John and Lilla McKenzie. Uh, I was not fully buying the pathos of it all, maybe until the very end of the episode where I could kind of look back and say, oh, the arc that they were on, the reveal of their Chronicom copies and so forth, uh, that, that has served as a way to inform the character of Mac, not just for this episode, but into the future. Speaking of the future, Matt, the good people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek, they can tap into and influence the time streams. Indeed they can, Pete, making sure that all the podcasts we've done, the past, the present, the future, are all accessible uh, by lending their continued support at patreon.com slash fantastic geek, making sure that what we do remains online. And of course there's some goodies on the Patreon page as well. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Pete, there's lots of discussion online about what is next for Nathaniel. Uh, isn't he dead? He's clearly not dead. Uh, we've jumped into 1982 now no idea where the intermediate jump was that um they uh no no they, they jumped into 1982 and then they've jumped away from 1982 so no idea where they zephyr one went to that they need to catch up to but no doubt nathaniel malik will be there for them so certainly further room for this ongoing notion that I know Sousa has pointed out and we have discussed, which is that the timeline is being made worse by the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not better. Uh, moving on, lots of discussion online about what's next for Coulson. Isn't he dead? Also, uh, not somebody you're going to get rid of. Remains to be seen what Coulson 
what what did we 4.0 at this point <laughs> um is gonna be how much this gets us back to colson 1.0 which is the desire of a lot of the audience uh what what kind of techity tech can be done to put him back in a human body make him a real boy again pete lots of discussion online about what ian de Kastiker has been doing during the filming of season seven uh what's going on there i find it very hard to believe that he as a lead actor on a show in its seventh and final season would just be given off this time to go do another project um there is no corroboration on his internet movie database as to what he might have been working on um so that they would receive an overture from his representation they of course being the agents of shield showrunners hey ian has uh there's interest in him doing a project can he go do this i find it more realistic that it would work in reverse that they would say listen the the show we're charting for this seventh season only requires you after a certain number of episodes now Matt, we're, you know, 706, we're almost halfway through, halfway through the next episode, we're going to be halfway through the end of this final season, strange to, to say that, um, maybe they gave him the okay to go and pursue something or just not need to be there, but he's been credited in all of these episodes. Um, so it's, it's an unusual situation, but you know, what he's doing is either not doing something or it's not officially out there. And I know too, having, uh, having dug around a little bit online, you know, it's not just IMDB. I was not, you know, many websites are saying, where is he? What's he doing? Um, and, and kind of coming up empty. I know he does have two things in the 2020 production uh, slot, uh, us a tv miniseries and then pre-production for upstairs which is a a film short uh but of course 2020 is not the year that this season was made it was made in 2019 so certainly some question marks there pete what theories do you have over there so the adaptation that becomes a real theme within this episode we have the the hive of hunter pods the plans continue to change um, obviously the metaphor there with our chronicoms and what that could mean with Colson last seen around that technology is something to think about. I feel like as the show, you know, gets episode by episode closer to the end, I, I wonder what, or, or rather I think about the different tensions going on in terms of ending a series in a pre-planned satisfactory way. I think that if you look at the finales for uh, like, let's look at some of the big three in the last 15 years or so Sopranos lost game of Thrones. First of all, uh, I'll we'll maybe add Mad Men to that uh, as a fourth one. In my mind, you need to squarely land on your finale at your end with some sort of unambiguous statement. It can't be, 
there can't be confusion in terms of well, what does this mean or how do I interpret it um, if you want people feeling satisfied. I think as much as we like to kind of do the theory route, at the very, very end, you want to be told, and they lived happily ever after in that place or whatever whatever it is there. Even if it's one of these Marvel, the end to be continued, the end for now, we want to have a really solid picture. Frankly, kind of like we had at the end of season five where you know, Mac and company go into space to rescue Fitz, even though let's imagine there was, you know, season five was the end of the, uh, the end of the series. You know, we're not seeing that, but they go off and do that and their adventures continue and Colson passes away. May is there. That's, that's that end. Uh, so if, as you propose, Pete, we're going to end up with some sort of human Colson or, you know, <laughs> roll back to an earlier version of some sort of mechanical existence, whatever it is, I welcome that, but but let's make sure. Like in my mind, I don't want them to discover the real Coulson and have everything you know back the way it was or whatever that looks like. It shouldn't happen at the end of seven thirteen. Give us a handful of episodes where the the adventure that continues continues for the last couple episodes. If that makes sense. Oh, I have no doubt about it. I don't think we'll necessarily see him return next week, uh, but after that. I think it's a sure bet. The July 4th timing of this episode, Matt. All right, granted, they knew they had been renewed for two summers. It's not a stretch to say we will set episodes 705 and 706 around the 4th of July. But holy moly. Yeah, and I mean, then further factor in the projected non-controllables which is to say what are the wants and needs of abc's schedule uh as you get to summer 2020 then factor in the craziness of the world and how the schedule you know has been upended there's no way that 18 months ago they said and this episode which takes place entirely on july 4th 2020 uh, july 4th 1976 with the exception of the very very end uh that shall air uh you know days before july 4th 2020 there's no way they could have made that call as a production pete maybe it's proof that sometimes the plan of the time tree uh lands the way the plan was what seen by sybil the foreseer i get that nathaniel wants to take daisy's powers but what's up with oh they have drugged me and I can conveniently not quake my chains off. Here's my feeling about this perfectly fun episode. Uh, I think a lot of planning and, you know, kind of story manipulation and twists and turns and oohs and ahs and costume drama and late night at the Hotel Roosevelt with crazy Carner costumes, all of that was kind of sketched out as a beginning chunk and then whatever's in store for the end chunk to really give us that satisfying ending. And, you know, whether it's a Sam Jackson cameo or Chris Evans still, or, you know, whatever it is to just really end with fireworks. And I feel like we're kind of in the middle now that kind of was the last portion to be charted. I'm supposing. Uh, and that is okay. You know, I, there's, I've seen some whispers about next week being somewhat different, maybe kind of a little bit more standalone, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to be too anti-spoiler and I don't want anything spoiled, certainly. But if we're kind of in this middle transition part and this episode was, and now we have to get A to B to C and we need to move a bunch of pieces around, 
I think that might be the story impetus for this versus maybe the story impetus for another episode could have been great idea, speakeasy, you know, Great Depression, uh, Prohibition, Secret Room. Let's all put that in there. This is kind of, let's move the pieces around and, oh, uh, let's use, I don't know, the Lighthouse set, which costs nothing because it's been around for, what, <laughs> since season five or four, whatever it is. Do you ship Daisy, Sousa, and what do you call them? Uh, I ship Daisy, Sousa. I think Dooza sounds... Like either doozers or something. So I guess it would be maybe Sazy. I don't know. Pete, I'm not really great with ship names. Can Shusa, I just say maybe? Um can I just say that I hope Daisy I think Daisy and Sousa as veterans of different wars and people who've been through been through the junk and who've seen seen bad things and done bad things and done good things in order to fight for right with capital R. I would be cool if they if they got together. I would be okay with that. What about this Diana business, Matt? That struck me as totally out of left field, and I have to imagine that they're headed for some sort of story seeding because to sit and say, oh, there's a chip in my brain that helps me remember the rememberables and forget the forgettables. Okay, cool. Uh, hey, I ha it's partially AI because whatever, whatever. Okay, that's fine. Hey, maybe later on she's going to say, Dana, now map the bleep and the bloop. And that, you know, that'll finally set that up. To kind of give it a name, to give it a personality, to give it a sort of defense. I feel like we're setting up for something. I, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm going to have my antenna up for uh, whenever or wherever we see Simmons again is... You know, do we run into a real Diana? Do we get the Fitz flashback episode and there he is with Diana, the person, and you know whatever comes next? Is is there some sort of element there? But I don't, well, I don't know. Well, she's described by Simmons as being adorable and they are inseparable. Is Diana their child? That that crosses my mind too. Although I don't know how Diana would be playing Diana the child. The child. If we want to go ultra literal, that it's you know the wee bairn uh, inside Mama Simmons, I don't know how the child would then also be pulling the brain levers to deal with, um, to, to deal with what can be remembered, what can be forgotten. Uh, maybe it's some sort of being John Malkovich weird thing, but then, you know, again, as with, as with other things going on this season, lots of possibilities, but 706 is in the can. We only have so many episodes to go before, every thread can't be explored and you need to be you know coalescing it into end of arc end of season end of series we know that fitzsimmons found a place where they could observe all the chronicom moves that fitz is there that he's completely exposed this revelation that the chronicoms were using a virtual space because fitz has never worked with any of that before then you take a physical Coulson out of play. Is it some kind of framework technology? I would not be super satisfied as a fan to return in that way to the framework. I feel like we've done it all and then some, and it was great. Uh, and we've kind of dipped our toes in, in into it since. Um, 
I was thinking more that it's some sort of, you know, uh, time portal, dimensional viewing spot, that kind of, you know, more the sci-fi than the, I mean, I guess framework is sci-fi to, to a different degree, but more kind of uh, interstellar, interstellar space-based technology, not kind of a, a virtual digital one. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. First one up, Pete, our poll on Twitter, one uncontrolled mainframe got 0%, two chronic agent copies got 4.8%, third time, Stoner Believes, 14.3%, and then 4th of July, Fireworks, 81%, so certainly uh, some big enthusiasm there. Some replies on Twitter, uh, first one, as always, fastest gun in the West here, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983. This episode was so emotional. Colson gone again, Daisy being tortured, and Mac's parents. So much info and action packed into another great episode. Each week, it just gets better and better. I'm exhausted. Uh, a couple of tweets here from JT Atkins. It's at JTA is me. Uh, I don't feel very original saying I love it yet again, but that's the way it is. And I really appreciate the way they keep mixing it up so that it isn't just leap of the week, which Pete, I think is a great observation there. The fact that, uh, after these six episodes, the template has been broken in some way, I think is a way to keep things fresh. Certainly, uh, another tweet here from Nobel prize winner. That's at K C L Y L E one. Another amazing episode. The special effects with the missiles was beautiful. Worthy of any movie. Hate that it's ending, but so far it's going out on a real high note. Would be nice to see some of these characters show up in the Disney Plus shows, please. Uh, and last tweet here from Brian S. It's at Brian O-E-N-O. Home run with the Max storyline. Emotional, exciting, and gripping. Didn't expect to ship Daisy and Sousa, but he's a great match for her. Gemma reveal was a a little bit of a head fake overall, but it makes sense in story. Fourth of July fireworks. Tweet here, uh, just sent as we were recording this uh, from Shmahu, who says, just finished watching uh, 706. How good is this series? Uh, this series is making me care so much. Such clever use of time travel and consequences. I had sent a tweet out as we watched the episode the other night that uh, we all know May is higher than level seven. She only told Stoner that so he wouldn't uh, be completely intimidated. And uh, Mike Sorensen at Bad Wolf underscore media responded. It was at that moment in time the, quote, level, unquote, system was created. Stoner had no idea what she meant, but was so attracted to her in that moment, he took her words and created the S.H.I.E.L.D. ranking system, to which I replied, this is now canonical. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, to the email inbox we go, an email from 084. Bravo to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. writer DJ Doyle. Also, how dare you, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. writer DJ Doyle? How dare you? This one got me right in the feels. Coulson's monologue intercutting with the team we know and love proving him right was everything. Mac having to fight his own parents to the death is definitely something I should have expected from the writer who is behind Jiang's vivisection, May shooting a little girl, Daisy getting hived, Yo-Yo meeting her future armless self, and Fitzsimmons' marriage counseling insanity hour. Bravo indeed. 
I'd call this a swan song if that swan also was also a winged hell beast feasting away at our souls. <laughs> Not much else to say about the episode. It was really good, guys. Until next time, Pete, that from 084. I, I love the analysis of the a swan, not a swan. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, and I mean, all this feedback really just showing the vibrancy that the show has in this final season. And uh, as always, great to have these conversations. Pete, how can people be in touch with you to talk on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-11342. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more! Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. Well, we will be back this time next week to talk the next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Can't wait to see when it takes place, where it takes place, etc. I think it's the 1980s. With that, Pete... I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Prepare yourselves for extreme G's. 